Hi, this is Gary York, founder of GGG Give God Glory. For the past eight years, my wife Gail and I have been hosting a tent revival meeting in Waterman, Illinois, where the body of believers can come and encounter the presence of God and are encouraged to go out and minister to the world around them. We hope you enjoy this message from our recent gathering. For more information on GGG or to connect with us, please visit our website at gggministry.com. Now sit back and enjoy this short message. Go is two-thirds of the name of God. Now that only works if you speak English. Right. Imagine that word. Uh, and uh, you spoke about, uh, what's your name again? Tina. Tina, you spoke about just going out there and you said, you know, you wanted more boldness to actually not just do chit-chat. Mm-hmm. And I get that, and I, I encourage that. But the fact that you get up from your blessed behind mm-hmm. and actually decide you're going to go, that in itself is commendable. And that in itself needs, you need a pat on your back to say, well done. In other words, you positioned yourself. You literally, because, look, even if you lead nobody to the Lord, the fact that I say, Lord Jesus, I'm available today for you to use me. So where would you like me to go? Well, you get an impression, play another sa- a sandwich or, you know, and you get a name of a place. So you literally get in your car and you go there. That in itself, that mobility, that action activates the spirit. It activates your faith. That's nothing happens. But it puts you into motion. In fact, that is the operative word for the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. Go into all the world. Right. right. So I'm just, I'm just talking a little bit about that. And it circles back to what I'm talking concerning the Yorks. Um, so I'm very, very grateful to the Lord for, for them. And I want to encourage you while we are... Uh, I don't like to teach pedagogically, so I'm, I try to... Um, I spoke last week on, on how this came about. You shared with a few people. I uh, not really. I just share about the witchcraft. Share, share that again. Because <clears throat> I think again, it's 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 important because there's a secret and a truth that is locked into that. Why we are here today. This in itself, the fact that we're sitting in this room is unfolding a prophecy. Yes. Um, I had been going back through prophetic words, uh, my personal prophetic words, and as I was going back through them, um, there was also parts that were specific to the ministry and, and things like that. So I started separating them out, going through them, seeing what I have not yet seen manifest, um, just seeing direction the Lord's given. It was the ministry in particular I was looking at for this time. <clears throat> and... Um, uh, he was showing me um, in the words about a, a mandate about us uh, protecting the area against witchcraft. And then I was at out with his wife for lunch or whatever. We met for coffee. And she was the one that was telling me about um, she was on Facebook and there was like a mom's group. And, and some of them started chatting about how they do spells and they do things like that witchcraft and they decided they were going to get their own witch group going so they can talk about their witchcraft stuff. And she was like, I can't even believe it's going on. It's right. In, it was a Yorkville mom's group. 
And so she was sharing that with me, and I was like, hmm, that doesn't sound like the kingdom over there, you know? Um, and then I was talking with Teresa about it. I said, I can't believe, you know, this is what's going on in Yorkville. And she was mentioning, well, yeah, the young moms have now grown up on, I think it was you that said this. Yeah. Harry Potter books, watching Harry Potter movies. They think that's what you do. It was put in the schools. You know, it's, that's what they're doing. Everyone was reading it. So the young moms have that belief. And then she had made the comment, um, we need to raise up park evangelists around here to get into the parks and speak truth to the young moms and to the kids in the summer. And as soon as she said that, it just like hit my spirit. Okay, we need to raise up. You know, that is part of the GGG calling is to raise up and send out. And so I contacted Solomon and uh, asked him if he would come in and do some evangelism training, equipping. And he said, yes, here he is. Gary, do you have something to add to that? Just uh... so. That introduction that I gave about the prophecies and how that's working. So I think it's important uh, where we go in today again. Do I have anything to add to yep. Yep. Oh, wow, I hadn't even thought. No, I just was sitting there listening. Yeah, she's just been... Stewarding prophecy. She's been, you know, she's been the champion in our family of stewarding prophecy. You um, have to, then. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's we got binders and binders and we have meetings and meetings and discussions on just everything the Lord's up. That's what guides our family, uh, guides my kids, it, it it guides our grandkids. It's just so, so, uh, so literally what he's saying is not, oh, I received this amazing prophecy last week. Next week, there's another conference or something, and I go, oh, can I receive a prophecy? And I get another prophecy, and I go to another conference, and I get another prophecy. Mm-hmm. Oh, this guy prophesies, so this lady is a prophetic. Oh, another prophecy, you know? And you forget the previous one, mm-hmm. or the previous ones that you've received, and you're just going for another prophecy. And you don't understand the purpose. <clears throat> These guys, what I'm saying is the way they're stewarding prophecy, and I know you've taught on that, perhaps someday we have to, you have to just write the book and just give it to everybody or just mm-hmm. just um, uh, teach on that, right? Yeah. But this is so important for you and I to be able to align ourselves with heaven's mind and heaven's wisdom and heaven's purpose for your life, heaven's blueprint. For your life. So they write it. They, they, they record the prophecy. Then they scribe the prophecy. Now that already is. What more than most do. But it doesn't end there. Then they sit. And they track the prophecy. What does God say here? What is it? No that is already been fulfilled. Okay. But this has not come to pass yet. You know, we are going this way. The prophet is saying, God says we must go this way. I think we should perhaps just change that and move, uh, make our decisions. Is that not? Amen. They sit around and they have a a conference meeting, a, a round table meeting as a family, as a couple. And they really are saying, remember I said last week, Psalm 119 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It is not... A floodlight that you can say, whoa, 
all my path is illuminated. No, it's just the next step. Why must God illuminate 50 steps five miles from now if you haven't taken the next step that would take you there? Amen. <clears throat> and so we are always in this limbo, and this is our one. We need to be saved from this. We need to be saved from this. That somehow we believe something is going to happen on the outside. Something is going to happen to us. Someone is going to come to us. God is going to do something on the outside. The kingdom of God is from within. If God is going to move you, he's going to move you from the inside by his still small voice. And the prophetic is God's way of communicating. He's dropping signs. He's dropping clues. Hey, my son. Hey, my daughter. This is where I want you. And if you and I can take the steps of a bit, Lord, what, are you, what, what does this prophecy mean now for me? How do I steward this? And so one of my favorite scriptures is 1 Timothy 1.18. Mm-hmm. And you, again, you're asking me, what is this to do with evangelism? Everything. This charge I commit to you, my son Timothy Paul writes, according to the prophecies which was made concerning you, so that by them you may fight the good fight of faith. You bring to remembrance, whoa, God said. I'm feeling low today. I'm feeling discouraged today. But God said. It doesn't look like things are moving. It looks like everything on the out. But I'm not moved by that. I'm moved by the word. And so you guys are, for me, a great inspiration and an amazing encouragement. And probably one of the people in terms of stewarding prophecy. Um, You're probably way out there in terms of leading the charge. And talking about charge... This is one of the words that Paul writes. He says, this charge I commit you. Charge is a military term. It's not, it's not that recommendation. Hey, I suggest Timothy. Hey, Tim, I just want to say to you, you know, if you feel like it, if you're in the flow, just like, you know. No. He says, this is a charge. You know, when, when you charge something, you charge the walls. You, you, it's, it's an aggressive, it's a militant, it's a proactive move. And so, I am sure God has spoken to you concerning evangelism and soul winning and the purposes that he has for you. And it's locked into that. When you take hold, hey, when you take hold of the prophetic, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit today, you would see it is really Jesus speaking Remember I said, the word of God is not the Bible. The Bible is scripture. It's not the word. It's scripture. It's the scribed word. The word of God is a person. It's not a sermon. It's a person. His name is Jesus. In the beginning, the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And so... When Jesus speaks, and he speaks specifically to you, and if he speaks through you, especially when we are going to be out there speaking to people, it's the living Lord speaking a rhema to a person who's out there lost, 
a Samaritan woman thirsty at the well. And Jesus comes and he speaks through you. He says, but how do you know that? I was just talking to God about it. We were in Panama. We walked into a school. I think I told you stories uh, last time. Um, and we just walked. We were giving training for evangelism. I said to the guys, hey, sorry, not Panama. Yeah, of course, Panama. I said, our, our meeting only starts at five. We've got the entire day. I know you guys said it at three, but let's go to a school. They said, but we haven't. I said, just walk in. We went in, knocked on the door of the school. And there is this person. And uh, one of the people made the appointment. The, the principal said, yes, absolutely, come in tomorrow. And in that school, there was this person, this boy, 15 years old. The same day that we walked into that school, he said the following. God, if you're real, reveal yourself to me. <laughs> if you don't, he says, and you have 24 hours. <laughs> he says, and if you don't, tomorrow will be the last day on the earth. The next morning we walked into that school. We spoke a word and it was a rhema word. It was Jesus speaking to him. Yes. He was sitting there and weeping and weeping and weeping and weeping. And afterwards he came and he told us his story. So the living word is more than you taking a Bible and memorizing scripture. You understand what I'm saying? And you see where I'm going. It is because God doesn't want you to go give a witness. He wants you to be a witness. Evangelism is more than doing. It is becoming. It's more than doing. It's being a witness. That's why I love the name, Lifestyle Christianity. It's a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. It is not something we go and do and then, okay, now we're done. There. No, it's the way, it's who we are. It's the way we are and who we are, it flows out of us. That was just kind of an introduction. Now, did you guys catch up about last week? Last week's yes. lesson? Yes. You did? <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Everybody's angry, can you say amen? Yeah. <laughs> No, sir. I said, everybody was angry. Oh, you oh. said, amen. <laughs> <laughs> and you opened my ears. <laughs> okay, so we spoke about the why of evangelism, and I kind of labored that very, very extensively. And so we're looking at the why of evangelism, the what of evangelism, and the how of evangelism. So I want to look at a part of the how, and I, I, and I said that you, so let me go into that. And I'm going to specifically look, look at sharing your testimony, and the power of a testimony. I'm going to look at that by way of example through uh, scripture. Did we record last week? Yes. We, we did. So those who, who attend or did not attend, is there a way that we can get that out to them then? Yeah. Okay. All right. So we're going to do the power of your testimony, which is part of the how of evangelism. So combining your testimony with the gospel. Now, before we go to the how, let me ask you this. 
If can you summarize in one minute, two minutes, Max? <clears throat> what is the gospel? The, the gospel news. is good news, right? If I must go and present the gospel, I'm a sinner, right? And you come to me, and you have one minute or two minutes to share with me how to get from hell to heaven. How do we change from a sinner to a saint? What is the message you're going to give me? Any volunteers? Colton. Sorry, I just volunteered. <laughs> uh, repent. Confess with your mouth. Believe that Jesus is Lord. Okay. Anybody else? So you said uh, repent. Repent. Confess and believe. What is repent? When you tell me to repent, I'm I, to, I, I grew up sure. a Muslim, to so turn, I don't know what you're talking about. Turn from your lifestyle of sin, your okay. life of wrongdoing, of living for yourself. And so if I do, if I choose to turn from my lifestyle of sin, I will become a Christian. And confessing that Jesus is Lord, believing that okay. He saved you. Okay. Covered over your iniquities, made you right with the Father. Okay. Made you right with God. All right, let's throw this out. Thank you, Tom. That's, that's awesome. Please go ahead. Um, Jesus died on the cross for your sins so that you didn't have to die. Okay. Can I go to heaven without accepting or without that knowledge? No, you can't. Jesus is the only one. Okay. And the right answer. I said answer, not answer. But it sounds very simple. You can repeat these things over and over in your head how you're going to do it, but I think at the time it's just going to come out however it comes out. So I might, I don't know what I'm going to say right now. I'm just going to say it. Uh, for me, my belief is that um, God saved me from my own self. Uh, the the sin, which is the destruction, the the shame, the hurt, the guilt, the everything that was inside me that wasn't walking with Christ, to believing in Him and what He did for me on the cross, to have my sins forgiven, to put my full faith in the belief of Christ and His Word, and His Word is true. For me, that's my belief, and I hope that's my belief for you, so that your sins may be forgiven, and you put your trust in Him, that one day you can um, be in eternity with me. Okay. So something I, like, I don't know. I, 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 I am hearing a lot of Christianese. Christianese. Um, I, I am hearing a lot of Christianese, but, but, but because I'm a Muslim. <laughs> so I don't understand how this stuff you know, talk, they talk. Um, how about you? You understand what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, so I'm, just, I'm, I'm just trying to pick where we are at. Mm -hmm. So how about you, Ryan? Um, receiving the truth of Jesus as your hope. Okay. Okay. How about you, Brad? What would you would you say? I mean, you can pass if you want to. Uh, I don't want to put anybody on the spot. We just remember, just just relax. We just in a living room. We just you know. We learned this whole this whole thing kind of. I mean, I've been a believer for many years. I'm just not a outgoing type guy until someone gets to know me. Okay. And so when I share with people, it's I've built a relationship with them. You built a relationship with the person or with, with God? The person. No, the person. Okay. Okay. So. And what would you share with them 
uh, let's say you build a relationship with me, we golf buddies, but I'm a Muslim, right? I believe Muhammad is the way, he's the prophet of God, and and I'm on my way to hell. And tomorrow might be my last day on the face of the earth. And you kind of just have that sense that that might happen because you dreamt about me last night. How do you, <laughs> how do you share with me what you know to be the truth? How do you share that so that I would say, wow, I, I want that? Um, honestly, with me, I just, I try to just be loving to that person and explain, you know, um, some different things that have happened in my life. You okay. know, and, uh, give experiences from me, and then obviously lead them back to you. Know, there is only one way. Beautiful. Yeah. So you're saying you're going to do your te testimony, your what God has done for you, and then from there connect it to. Because I'm not. I don't know. I, me, the way that I work, I'm not a. I'm going to drill it down your throat type person. You know, I try to. Um, you sound like a like a sergeant to me, bro. Voice <laughs> <laughs> and just your you look pretty intimidating. So I don't know what you're talking about. You're like, you're throwing, you're like, Except Jesus. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> All right. So I don't know. What I, I get. I get that. Yeah, yeah. they just get. Hey, Hello. tell us about it. Look, she's in an army gear today, so she's ready. To <laughs> right. Tell us all about it. How do? What is the gospel? Just in one minute, two minutes. I'm going to hell. You dreamt about me last night um, that I was, uh, it was my last day on the earth. You have an opportunity to share with me before we part company. And you know, and that for me, that has happened with many people, just so that you know. Mm -hmm. um, that you know that if you don't open your mouth and what you say, will determine my eternity. My eternal destination is hinges on what's coming out of your mouth. No pressure. <laughs> what would you say to me? What is the gospel? Let's take the gospel out. The gospel equals good news. What is the good news of Jesus you want to share with me? Because I'm a Muslim. I was born there. I'm a sixth generation Muslim. Now you're talking about this Jesus guy. We believe he's a prophet. He's a good guy. But... Our prophet is the last prophet. Yeah. So he has the last say. So what are you telling? Um, well, I would walk up to them. And to I me, to me, to me. Yeah. yeah. Can I walk up to You them? can walk up to me. <laughs> <laughs> Am I going to fall over? Are you going to pray for me? Uh, oh. I Chloe. Um, this might sound a little crazy, but um, God actually told me to come over here to you because I believe that he's got a destiny that is huge on your life. And I know that might be hard to understand but God created you for a specific purpose and it's something that you can't get from anywhere else and I don't know what you believe I don't know who you believe in or why you think you're here but I want to tell you you're here for a reason it's because God loves you and he made you and he made you because you are important to him and so whether you believe in God or not whether you know who Jesus is I want to introduce Jesus to you because I want you to know he is a real person and if you don't believe me Give me two minutes to introduce him to you, and you can tell me after. If you still don't believe, that's fine. Twenty minutes, cool. Twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've grown up knowing God my whole life, and so it can be easy to just think of him as a figure in the cloud, and you know, he makes everything good for you. But um, when I was six years old, I gave my life to Christ, and I got baptized. And what happened was, he came to be with me in person. So. God is not just someone who's 
out there and you can talk to him from a distance. He's actually standing in this room with us now, whether you can see him or not. Presence is here. So is it okay? Take my hands. <laughs> I want you to tell me if you feel anything. I'm going to invite God right here now and you tell me if you feel him. I felt something the moment you said hello. (laughs) (laughs) So um, when I talk about God, I sometimes call him the Holy Spirit because that's just what I call God who's with us now. So I'm just going to invite Holy Spirit right now to come and minister to you, to talk to you. Holy Spirit and Jesus, thank you so much that you love this man. Um, Thank you that you have created him for a reason and that you love him and he's here for a reason. And he's not just some other person walking on the earth who's going to die and that's it. It's over. I know he has a destiny in you and a purpose in you. So, Father, right now I just ask that you reveal yourself to him. Holy Spirit, come and let him understand you and let him have a connection with you. Holy Spirit, yes, I just ask that you come right now. And if you want to even say... Holy Spirit, I invite you right now into my life. I believe that you will really encounter him and you will feel him with you. Yeah, I want that. Just You can say it in your own words or you can repeat after me, whatever you're comfortable with. Um, But what I would normally say in those situations, I'd say, Jesus, that you're a good God. That you're a good God. Thank you that you're here with that you love me. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that I'm not a lost cause. I'm here for a reason. I'm here for a reason. And you're here to be with me. You're here to be with me. Right now. Right now. I open my heart to you, Jesus. I open my heart to you. All right. Good job, Chloe. (laughs) 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 All right. I mean, we were talking about kindergarten. You just went like, whoo, right up there. So, so. That was that was like a classical mm-hmm. example. It's such an honor to you, girl. I mm-hmm. I want to pray with you afterwards. Um, but that was like right, and she was not. You, you, you saw that 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 was that was living word. That is Jesus opening his mouth through her mouth. Mm-hmm. That is Jesus using her literal body to show up. To me. Now, in Genesis, uh, Genesis, that's my favorite book, sorry. In John chapter 6, at the end it says, sorry, not John chapter 6, take that out. Um, when Jesus at the Lord's Supper, at the Lord's Supper, when he says, who's going to betray me? If somebody's going to do that, right? Then we know. The focus falls on Judas, and this is what the Bible says. And Satan entered Judas. From that moment, the physical body of Judas was the setup, was the vehicle of Satan to oversee the entire crucifixion. Wherever Judas went, Satan was looking through his eyes, he was using his mouth, his ears. Satan was physically present in the earth. In Judas, we have the Holy Spirit of the living God that is indwelling us. And so when Jesus wants to show up, he's showing up through her, through you. And when you open your mouth, you're not speaking from your cerebrum mass. You're speaking 
Let the Lord come through. And, and so that is so powerful. That was just, we all felt it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. And she didn't talk so much about the crucifixion, the blood, the, the, all that stuff. It was, it was more of that inviting Jesus in to live in you, work in you. Right. Now, now, now let me make the statement. The formula for soul winning, the formula is there is no formula. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Amen. So if you're going to latch onto that and say, oh, that is the way you do it, <laughs> it's just uh, You might be speaking to a Harvard professor or NIU professor. That's not going to be the approach. The Lord would quicken you to speak to them about perhaps the subject of evolution, or I, I'm, I'm just making an example. Do you understand? It depends on because there's not a formula. <clears throat> What is necessary for that situation? If you read, if you read that, I, I, I promise you, I'm gonna get to the teaching. This is just, <laughs> just filling in, okay? Jesus heals two blind people at two separate times. Two men, same symptoms. The one, he spits, makes a liver, puts on the eyes. Go wash yourself, and the guy's eyes open. The other guy, he says, there is a spirit, a demon spirit, that is sitting behind his eyes, causing blindness, and he casts the spirit out, and the guy's eyes open. I cannot say every person who is blind is possessed by a spirit that's causing it. Neither can I spit on this ground and make saliva and put it on everybody's eyes. I call myself Saliva Ministries International. <laughs> there just is no formula. You see how Jesus operates like that. So, so don't get set. Oh, seven keys of this, three of this. Oh, I must remember that first. This and then that and then that and then that. You know, I liked your approach because ultimately that is where we're going. But to get going, we can just get out of our behinds, get into a car, go to the streets, and if we have nothing to say, take a track and let the track speak for you. You understand what I'm saying? But there is no formula. That is so crucial. So somebody else, before we move on, and just what is the gospel? That is the question. Let me just go to the apostolic figures and then we're done. So Gary, Gary, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? The gospel. Good news of Jesus. (laughs) Is the way, the truth, and the life. Mm -hmm. It's a vehicle from which God brought for us a man to stand in the gap to bring us back home. Mm -hmm. Amen. We arrive at that through the acknowledgement that we can't get there ourselves and that it takes this man to stand in that gap for us. And once we confess and accept that, we're welcome back home to the Father. Amen. Beautiful. Why am I asking for us to have clarity concerning the gospel. Because when I share my testimony, which is going to be the focus of today, my testimony is not a standalone. 
It's the vehicle to pour salt on their tongue to make them thirsty. Now I say, I take them from what Jesus did for me to what Jesus can do for you by way of that testimony. But the most important way of access, entry into this amazing God and his power and his provision, his healing, his deliverance is through the door. And Jesus said, I am the door. So what is the, the, the point of entry? It is the gospel. So you have to connect your testimony always with a gospel message. And have clarity about what that is. Why is that important for a secretary? Paul says in Galatians, there are many gospels. And he says, even if an angel from heaven comes and preaches a gospel that is contrary to the gospel that I shared with him, let him be accursed. And we know if you look at what people call church today, and what is going on, and what they proclaim and preach from pulpits, what is acceptable to God, because God is love, is not the gospel. And so we have to be clear as to what that is. Some, I come out of a Pentecostal background, Calvinistic background, and works has been, performance has been a major part of that. That you are, you are assessed and valued based on your works, what you do, you know. And so it's important to know what the gospel is. So I want to, before we go into the part of the testimony, which is the how of the gospel, I want to make these few observations about the gospel of Jesus. Number one, I think it's important to, to, to understand that the entire human race are sinners. Romans 3 verse 23. Because there are some people that think they are good. I don't smoke. I'm a great American. I do a, a, a donate to multiple organizations. We are good, upstanding people. We come from a good stock of family. Da 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 da. And they just think, you know, I just have to go to heaven. And so. Paul in the book of Romans takes Jew and Gentile and he elevates them to the same or debase them to the same status of all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3 verse 23. That is the first thing that you and I must understand of the human condition. We all need a savior. We are sinners in need of a savior. So the first thing, all of us have sinned. Number two, sin has a payment, has wages, has a salary, has a retribution. You've got to work for it, baby. And when you work for it, when you sin, it will pay. There's a wages. And what is the wages of sin? Yeah. Romans chapter 6 verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. 
But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So it's important to understand all of us have sinned. And your sin has a consequence. There's wages for sin. It is death. What is death? Death is separation. Physical death is when my spirit separates from my body. That's physical death. Spiritual death is what happened in the Garden of Eden when my man's spirit, Adam's spirit, separated from God. It is what Jesus, uh, God said to, to Adam, the moment you eat from this fruit, not maybe, you will surely die. Genesis 2 verse 17. You will surely die. And that death is a spiritual death, which is separation, sir. It is separation, man. All of us have been separated. Now you say, but I have not chosen to do that. Toughies. It's just how you come. That is how it works on the planet. You are a descendant of Adam. When he sinned, because you've got his blood running through your veins, everything that he was, he bequeathed to you as a gift. And that is important. You became a sinner. I became a sinner. The human race became a sinner, became sinners as a gift. Adam gave us the gift of sin or the gift of unrighteousness. It's nothing we did to earn it. Does that make sense? Because of what he did, we became sinners. That is so key. That is so important. Because you didn't work for it. Because you are an apple tree, now you bear apples. But you were a pear tree before Adam ate of that. You understand? So he genetically modified you. He genetically modified us. All of us just became sinners because of what he did. Now, if that is too much for you to deal, wait till you get to heaven. I'm sure you'll have a session with Adam and you can speak to the guy. You know, to Eve. Just But this is how it is, the side of heaven. Number three. Because the wages of sin is death, and God is just, he must punish sin. So therefore, you must die. And the death here is not physical death, that's the lower death, my friend. The the, the, the death he's talking about here is the spiritual death, which is eternal death. Now here is the deal. You and I If you're not born again, if you're not a child of God, if you've not become a Christian, you are spiritually dead right now and physically alive. But the moment you die physically without being spiritually made alive, the spiritual death that you have now will be eternal. It's called the second death. And from that, there is no waking up. You will be eternally separated from God if you, while you are physically alive, don't accept Jesus and cause you to become spiritually alive, to come resurrected out of spiritual death. That is the object. That is the goal of the human experience. God gives you 20, 30, 40, 50, 100, 120 years on the earth. It's a period of grace. It's the small dash between the time that you're born and the time that you die. That little dash is your opportunity to decide 
Do you want to become spiritually alive? Or do you want to eternally, eternally separated from God? So I'm coming to you today to make you that offer. And I'm going to show you how, how that offer is available to you. Does that make sense? Are we still flowing, girl? Number three. God, instead of killing Adam and Eve, decided he's going to provide a substitute in their place. This is the gospel. You have to understand this. So, I'm a Muslim. You're talking to me now. You're telling me, so, uh, when Adam and Eve sinned, God then decided, oh, he's going to provide a substitute. No, sir. He decided he's going to provide a substitute before Adam and Eve was even born. Can we go a little deeper? Shafiq. Yeah, okay. In fact, before the foundation of the earth, God already provided this substitute. Mm -hmm. You mean to tell me that this substitute has got nothing to do with me, what I do, what I choose, what I say, what I don't say? What? Yeah. It's all God. You see, God is all-knowing. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. Meaning he's everywhere present. He's all-powerful. He has been to that point before he even made man. He already knew man was going to rebel and sin against him. And he knew what he must do is kill man. Punish man. And the wages of that sin is death. But, he said, if I can find a substitute to punish in man's stead or in man's place, then what in America is called the law of double jeopardy kicks in. You cannot punish the same crime twice. If he can punish the substitute, then the real culprit, the real guilty party, Adam and Eve, and all your descendants in you, that you gave the gift of unrighteousness to, you are all free to go. And so what God did in the Garden of Eden, he said, I'm going to start to give you, and I suspect this, I'm speaking it for your purposes, the guys who weren't here. He said, I'm going to start a create an altar. And it's a billboard. It's a prophecy. It is an advertisement of coming attractions. I'm going to take a little lamb that I made days before I created Adam. Meaning the provision, the substitute was there before the man. I'm going to take that innocent life, I'm going to put it on the altar, and I'm going to take Adam and Eve off. And now I'm going to kill this lamb instead of killing you. Your guilt and the wages for your sin, I'm going to visit on an innocent animal, a substitute. And that animal, that little lamb in the garden, God would strip the skin off it. Remember in Genesis 3.21 where Adam and Eve, they made leaves for themselves to cover their nakedness. 
which represents religion, man's own attempt to cover his own shame and nakedness and sin. God said, mm, 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 take that off. I must do this thing. So he kills the lamb, strips the skin off it, and now he makes coverings for them of skin. And all of that is a prophecy, which would be fulfilled when John the Baptist sees Jesus and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. World, human race, there is your substitute. Shafiq, there is your substitute. And here is the deal. This is the kicker. Just like Adam gifted you with a gift of unrighteousness and sin, nothing you did. So the last Adam, Jesus, will gift you with a gift of righteousness and eternal life. Nothing you do, you can deserve it. Let's give him a hand of praise. I think that's pretty awesome. <laughs> Same principle he uses that that you're talking about Romans 8, 28, he makes all things work together for the good. What Satan used against us, because all of the human race was inside of the loins of Adam. It's the same principle that he says, Levi paid tithes through Abram when he paid to Melchizedek. He was not even born. But when Abram paid tithes to Jesus, Melchizedek, all that was inside of him. He was setting up a generational blessing. Yeah. In the same way. All of the human race was in Adam. And he's a man. The father of the human race. Now if that is true about a man. How about the one who created the man? Did Adam not come out of him? Out of his loins? Out of his spirit, was God not once pregnant with us? So he is able, when Jesus says, I will be the substitute, because all of them, I will become pregnant with them again. And I will give birth to them, Father. So he says, you must be born again. You must be born of word. Okay, so, so, these are the, the key things. Point number three, there is the provision of the substitute. You don't have to go into all of that depth, but I'm giving you the key of the gospel, because that is it. Jesus is our substitute. What must the sinner do to, to be saved? Colton, you said, Romans 10, 17, or oh, 10, 10. Can you read it for us? Romans 10, 10, please. What must a sinner do to be saved? And there are different scriptures. So write down Romans 10, 10. John 3, 16. Romans 3, 21, 24. Because you will know. This is something. Let me say this. This is something you must know. You have to, have to be aware of it when I say that. This is what I mean. People out there will have in their minds, I don't do this, I don't do that, I don't do this, I don't do that. <laughs> but I do this, I do that, I do that, therefore, I'm so good, God must say to me, oh, Solomon, let me just see. Okay, the good outweighs the bad. What? 
That's kind of what is in the mind of a sinner. And you've got to say to them, categorically, you are wrong. Not in those words. You don't say that to them. But you have to deliver them from that mindset because your good works is not good enough. Nothing we can do can make us earn his love. It is everything that Jesus did. Can you, that scripture, Romans 10, 10. Romans 10, 10. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Your heart you believe. With your mouth you confess. That's why, what's your name again, Chloe? Yeah, Chloe. That's why she said, can I, and she, she took me through the confession. Not thinking, speak it out. Confess with your mouth. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Savior. You will be saved. So let's quickly go through those few scriptures. Um, if somebody can read Romans 3, 21 to 24 for us, please. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Amen. And then our key scripture last week was John 3, 16. But do 16 to 7 to 18. If, you can, if somebody can just read that to us, please. John 3, 16 to 18. Why is that important? Because it connects with John, uh, uh, Romans 10, 10. It connects with Romans 3. The faith, the belief. What is it that you must believe? And so can we just quickly read that? For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. Wow, that's just—I mean, it's like I—I—I I, I hear that for the first time every time I read it. It's so powerful. He did not send Jesus into the world to condemn or to judge the world. And so that is the mindset of a lot of people. In fact, I made this statement. I said, you know what? God has judged you. I said, he has judged you to be worthy of his love. Worthy of his life. Worthy of his forgiveness. You have been judged. But you've been judged to be worthy. Not because you deserve it. So that's why Paul writes this. And all through his epistles, he says, Oh, the depth and the height and the breadth of God's incomprehensible love. It's incomparable. There's nothing I can compare it to. He says, I cannot fathom this because he was on the other side. He says, of, I was, a, of, I was a, of the tribe of Benjamin. As, 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 as far as legalistic righteousness, he says, I was faultless. In fact, I was earmarked to become the next high priest. He studied under Gamaliel. 
And so he knows what it is to perform. He knows what it is to work. And now all of a sudden he's saying this and, he, and in his letter, this is what he writes. And then we're going to get to, I'm just, I'm, I'm filling this in so that you can, you can feel this. But he speaks to the Jews. He says, are you telling me that what Israel was trying to earn by works for 4,000 years, God gave to the Gentiles as a gift by faith? Paul says, uh-huh. <laughs> that is the message that you share with your friends, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. My friend, this is a gift. And sometimes I say to them, you must be stupid not to accept this. <laughs> and it's usually my audience after I have the sermon, and, I say, and they say, you're right, bro. Where do I sign? I say, you must be out of your mind not to accept this gift. There is nothing that you would ever do that make you to qualify for this. You have been pre-qualified. You know when? Before the foundation of the world. This thing is totally from God, to God, through God, and ultimately will be glory to Him. No man can glory. We, we just touch up, take our hands off this whole thing. In fact, that's why he instituted the Sabbath day. Because the Sabbath day is not a day, it's a person. That's why God instituted the Sabbath day in the Old Testament, because he was prophesying there's going to come a day. And what happens on the Sabbath day? You don't work. Your donkey don't work. Your ant don't work. Your cats don't work. Nada. Nobody works. Why? Because he's prophesying. The Sabbath is the rest of God where you cease from your own labors and you enter into the labor of him who died on the cross. You know the first day that Adam opened up his eyes after he was created was the what? The Sabbath, the Sabbath day. He was born into rest. And so, why am I talking about the, the uh, connecting the testimony, our testimonies to this? It's lest we go and we put burdens on people. Yeah. Oh, you must now start going to church. You must attend Bible studies. You must pray two hours every day. And, you know, and just putting burdens on them. You understand what I'm saying? Now, that is true. There must be fellowship, but they have to understand. They must be like the woman at the well that we're going to talk about again. Like, she came to draw water. She, I don't know how far she walked. After she encounters the water giver, she leaves her water pot there. She forgot what she came for because she got something better. And she left to go and tell the entire village, come and see a man who changed my life. It is that encounter. We're not bringing people into religion. We're not bringing it into four steps or four spiritual, sorry, not four laws or, you know, no. Uh -uh. You are literally taking people from hell and putting them into heaven. And when you started out, the Holy Spirit was all over you. 
Because you were emanating Jesus. It was Jesus standing in front of me. I mean, if I was a Muslim for real, I would have just knelt there and accepted him. People can argue times against doctrine. And this is the power of the testimony when it comes to us now. But they cannot argue against your experience. If you bring your testimony, this is what I've heard. This is what I've seen. This is what I felt. This is what I've experienced. You are testifying firsthand account. And then with the anointing and the Holy Spirit that's coming in through your words. So, the what of the gospel is what I just shared now. What is the gospel? That's key for it to, mer- to link it with your testimony. So, let's get to that. The how of the gospel. How do we share the gospel? And there are different things that tonight, that today I'm just going to focus on the power of the testimony. Some people don't go there. Either they are ashamed or they don't think it's that interesting, or they think, um, you know, I wish I was a drug dealer or a drug addict, and I are like, well, nice, you know, or like, clean boy over there, <laughs> um, Colton, you know, and he opened his eyes, and he's a third generation, fourth generation um, uh, Christian, drank it from his mother's breast, was raised in a beautiful environment, great heritage. So what does he know about drugs? What does he know about? None of that. So you think, oh, I wish I had a thought wife tells me. Hey, bro, I was on for 20 years. You know. No, you know, you know. You know, bro, it's just like, dude, you know. It's not like that. But your testimony has power. <laughs> There are people that God has specifically set in your path that can relate to that. God, why can reach a lot of people, mm-hmm. but it's only so many people that's going to listen to you. Mm-hmm. There are some people that needs to listen to Brad. Mm-hmm. Brooklyn. Yeah. There's some people that needs to listen to Mr. Heather. Papa. And they will relate. Papa. Uh-huh. He's starting to... Alright, so I want to talk today about the role of your testimony in sharing the gospel and the power that is in your testimony. Okay, so let's look at a few encounters. So the testimony that you have has the power to transform people's lives. Your testimony I wrote uh, last night or a couple of nights before your testimony is the word and Holy Spirit in action another way of putting it your testimony is the word made flesh it is God Jesus manifesting himself to you for you and now he wants to manifest through you your testimony is the word of God made alive And brought practically into an experience for you that you can taste. Now there's a scripture that says, taste and see. Once I've eaten, my eyes open. 
That's why it's important that you get, feed them the right gospel. Remember when Adam and Eve, when they took off the fruit, the first thing that happened, their eyes opened. So let me make this statement. Why? Testament is important. What you eat in the flesh, what I eat in the flesh will shut my eyes in the spirit and open my eyes in the natural. If I partake of the flesh. If I partake of the spirit, it will shut my eyes in natural and open my eyes in the spirit. The example start in Genesis 1 with Adam and Eve. But let me take you to Paul. He was once called Saul. On his road to Damascus. He meets Jesus, the word of God, the bread of life. And Jesus speaks to him. Once he eats the word, the Bible says he became blind for three days. His eyes were shut in the natural. God shut his eyes in the natural so that he can open his eyes in the spirit. Three days later, that is reminiscent of death, burial, resurrection. Paul woke up after three days with Ananias going to his house and saying, Brother, I was sent here by God to lay hands on you so that you can see and that you are full of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, Immediately, it was like scales fall from his belt, from his eyes, and his eyes opened in the natural. But from that moment onwards, Paul's eyes were opening the spirit so much so that he says, I know of a man who has gone to the third heaven and he has heard things that is not permissible to see. Why am I saying that? It is important what you feed those whom you are sharing the gospel with. Does that make sense? What if you, if you feed the purity of the word, the eyes will open. Taste and see. One of the things that Satan fears the most, one of the things, is your testimony. One of the things you want to trivialize, meaning to make it insignificant in your mind, it's just one of the things that wants to take your focus off is of what Jesus did for you. There is power in that because nobody else can take it from you. It's like your fingerprint. Nobody else in the world has it. Nobody else can tell your testimony the way you can. You were there. It was your encounter. I was there the day Sissy Wine and Sings when Jesus found me. They, they don't understand. They are judging me. Why am I breaking this alabaster jaw? Why this extravagance? You don't understand. I was looking for this kind of love for years and years and years, going after man after man after man until I met Jesus. And you're telling me that this alabaster jaw is too expensive for me to waste on worship for him? You don't know. You don't know what he did for me. You don't know where I was. You don't know the state of my heart. That's her experience. Yeah. Nobody else can recount it like her. Yeah. And usually when people want to interfere with your testimony and say, why are you going on like that, Gary? Usually Jesus in the, in the, in the, in the unseen will say, leave her alone. Leave her alone. You don't understand the cost of this. Even if they share the testimony 10,000 times, don't put your mouth on it. 
you don't know what it costs. Testimony is like a fingerprint in the spirit that is unique to you. You guys flowing with me? Like, um, William says tracking with me. <laughs> I haven't used that word yet, but are you tracking with me? Mm-hmm. Yes. <clears throat> I'm getting there. You're doing great. <laughs> now I can teach a, a point, 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 point. Do you want me to go over to that style? We just preach all the points? No. Or do you want to stay in this flow? Okay. So these are big statements. You have to understand. I'm going to back it up. Satan is afraid of your testimony. Mm-hmm. Listen, it's not what God is going to do. It's what God has already done. It's already money in the bank. He cannot take that experience away from you. Even though Peter sank. Fact is, he walked on the water. Who else could say that? We focus on, oh, he fell, and then it's like, And last did you walk on water? Or did you ever? It's his testament. He knows now why he fell. You understand what I'm saying? So don't let Satan diminish what God has done for you and in you. I want to I want to focus and ex, uh, I want to emphasize that and accentuate that. Your testimony is precious. Your testimony is powerful. Listen, let me just come out with it. Your testimony has power to save, has power to heal, has power to deliver. There's something else, and I'm going to share this. Why is your testimony powerful? Number one. Because your testimony builds faith. Your testimony is powerful because your testimony builds faith. If you stand in front of a sinner who may be sick, body ridden with cancer, or not sleeping, no peace, or relationships in shambles, or cheat in a church, whatever. Your testimony has the power to build faith. What is faith? It is the ability to believe, to be persuaded that God is able to do it for me. That is what faith is. And you're talking, and you're talking, and he's standing there. No emotion, no reaction. But in the meantime, God has opened up his heart on the inside, and faith is coming in. Before you know it, He's ready to do what Colton said, Romans 10.10. If you believe in your heart, you'll be saved. Your testimony just broke down all the walls. You didn't come and point to, oh, you must, you must, you must do that. Otherwise, you you stay. I, let me tell you what God did for me. I'm giving you a testimony. Listen, I went to Walmart, and I walked in there, and I passed the, the electronic store. And why? This guy said to me, do you know for the next week, Apple i12s are selling for $29 a handset. Whoa! And so I'm getting on the phone and I'm selling and telling everybody, hey, you need to get down to Walmart. Only the Walmart in Plano. <laughs> if they want to argue with you, they're stupid. The guy just says, really? Okay, I'm there. I'm going to take the deal. They get the iPhone 12, the entire handset. 
Prepaid handset. $29. That's the good news. That's what we're doing. Except that our news is the best news. So your testimony builds faith. During times of doubt, unbelief, fear, and discouragement, and weakness, your testimony builds your faith. Because there's going to be times that you're discouraged. There's going to be times that you're down. There's going to be times that Satan wants to bring fear into your heart. There's going to be times that you just are weak. And like he did with Israel, he said, remember the 40 years that I led you through the wilderness. Remember the right hand of the Lord that was powerfully displayed on your behalf. Do you know how powerful that was? There are kids that left Egypt with the Exodus. Five years old. Do you know what happened? As they grew, their shoes grew. As they grew, their clothes grew. He says, for 40 years, I gave you shoes and clothes. I didn't weather. Just, oh. I made water come out of a rock. Remember the years of the right hand, which is the God of the, God's power. The years of the Lord's power and might. Remember that Israel, just in case you forget and make a little cow and dance around and say, oh, cow, you brought us out of Egypt. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, cow. No, 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 no. It was God that brought you out. Because sometimes they suffer from amnesia. Just make a cow and just call it all, right? They just dance around, you know? So your testimony builds your faith during times of doubt and unbelief and, and fear and discouragement and weakness. Hey man, come and speak to Odessa, Brad, and say, remember baby, when we were in that fix and we prayed and God did that, call your family together and say, remember God's boys, when they remember what God did. Now that you can take out to the streets, that you can take out to the Gulf, that you can take to wherever you go. So let me tell you what God did for me. You know, that's why God is not religion. Christianity is not religion for me because it's real. Let me tell you why. This is my experience, bro. Wow. So, it not only builds your faith. The second point on that first key, it builds the faith of others. Why your destiny is powerful. Another word for destiny is confession. It's what you confess, it's what you speak, it's what you think of God. It's your confession. Your testimony is your confession. Your confession is what comes out of your mouth. Does your confession line up with God's word? Sorry. Hey, what's your name? Tori. Tori. Your confession is for victory, short for victory? Victoria. Victoria. Uh-huh. So if I confess, I am, I'm taking this and I'm saying I bring it down from there into my experience. Let me take a portion of this word and tell you what God did for me. And this word is made alive through testimony. So it's your confession. In the midst of whatever's going through, whatever somebody else is going through, let me speak to you. I am the word made flesh in that experience. I'm not going to quote you Romans 3, verse 2. I'm going to quote you Victory 1, verse 1. 
That's my testimony. Wow. Tracking with me? Mm -hmm. I don't even like that word. <laughs> so your testimony is your confession, listen, of what Jesus has done, of what Jesus is able to do, what Jesus is going to do. You are really saying the following when you open your mouth with your testimony and confession. You're saying nothing is impossible. Let's read uh, a scripture. Uh, Hebrews 10 verse 23. Please. <coughs> are we still okay? I know, are we going all along? Are we good? We're good. Okay, we still have about two and a half, two hours, two hours, 15 minutes. Then we're done. <laughs> now, okay. Romans, uh, sorry, Hebrews chapter 10. I want to anchor this with the scripture. Hebrews 10 verse 23. Confession. I want you to understand. And, and look how, how it closes off that, that text. So beautiful. If you have it, read it, please. 10.23. Yes, please. <coughs> Let us hold tightly without wavering. Say that again. Let us hold tightly without wavering. Can you see the double there? Hold tight. Like squeeze it. Don't let go. Hold on to That's the one hope. Part. The other part is without waver, without doubt. That's like a double whammy right there. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. You coming with that reality to the table, to the person you're sharing with, your confession is powerful. God is faithful. It is hope that you're communicating. You said your testimony will build the faith of others. Now let's go to a scripture. Let's go and see this. We spoke about it last week, but I would like to emphasize. Mark chapter 5, verse 18 to 20. So God does something for you. You now become a trumpet to proclaim that. And what you're doing, it's the setup for God to do this. Please go and read. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he's been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of the region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. Capitalist is... Polis is a city, right? Metropolitan, where you get the word metropolitan from. So it's not just towns, it's cities. So this guy, the guy that had 6,000 devils inside of him, encounters Jesus. Jesus delivers him and he says, I want to join the ministry team. And Jesus says, no, no, no. You don't understand. What you have is more powerful. 
that you're joining out to. I'm going to send you to ten, first go home, and then go to ten cities, and go proclaim what I did for you. Go and share your testimony. What did you go and tell them? I was possessed. I had 6,000 devils in me, speaking to me. I was chased out of my inheritance, out of my family. I lived in a, a cemetery. I cut myself. I was naked. I was I had super strength. I had no rest. My mind was in turmoil, messed up, out of my mind. Look at me now. This is a testimony of Jesus. Everybody there that's listening to him who's either possessed or knows of someone who is possessed, all of a sudden gets hope. Because he said, if he can do it for me, the same Jesus, yesterday, today, forever the same, he can do it for you. That's the power of your testimony. <clears throat> Let's read 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3 to 4. There's a great... Scripture, not only for evangelism, but also for ministry into the body of Christ. Great scripture. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 to 4. <coughs> this, is, this is the scriptural mandate, the scriptural mandate, the scriptural basis for you to have the authority to share what Jesus did for you. Through to you, and now you can share it with others. Please read if you have it. All praise to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. What translation is that? NLT? NLT. Okay, is there, is there anybody that has like an NIV or New King James? I do. Let's just get that up, please. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. It just says it's a little bit different. Did you hear that little small emphasis? It's just, just a little bit more. Um, so, simple. I was in trouble. I was destitute. I was desperate. I was in need of help. I was in need of health. I was in need of deliverance. Jesus comes and he does all of that to me. Now he positions me that I can go and do the same to others with that which was done for me. Just you need to know. I know in America you guys talk very different. You call bad good. They say, you guys are bad. You know, but they say, as opposed to some certain, you know, um, groupings. But you need to know how amazing you are. You need to know how powerful, you need to know what is on the inside of you. You need to know how God sees you. And more than that, you need to see how Satan sees you. He wants to shut up and shut down what is on the inside of you and what's coming out of your mouth. Because it says if you can control your tongue, you control your entire life. You control your entire destiny. Legacies are written by your tongue, not the pen. By your confession. Generations after would benefit more from the silver and gold 
that you leave them as an inheritance. They would benefit more by the words that comes out of your mouth. And the confessions of your faith. And Paul writes to Timothy, he says, the faith that was in your grandmother and in your mother. And I see that is in you. Powerful legacy. But focus again. Let's bring it narrow down. Your testimony. God does it for you. You can share it to the world. And you can share it to the body of Christ. It's the basis. It's your right. It's the In fact, your testimony gives authority to your words. If you walk out something, your experience and makes the word of God not dead letter. It makes it powerful. And in fact, you have an authority in the area that you have gained victory. Mm-hmm. If you speak about something, or I speak of something that I have never walked out, I have no authority in that area. Just a scriptural truth. But because God has done that for me, I can now, when I open my mouth, boom. Okay. Do you want to take a small break? Like five minutes, just to... Sure. Yeah, let's just stretch our legs and and just take a break and we come back. Like 10 minutes or so? Sounds good. Yeah. 
It's actually short for Vincenzo, which also is the word of I'm Italian and you know it's a Latin name. So Vincenzo is very similar to yeah, I thought like I don't know. Yes, you're all in the same. Range and hunger and Charles Green. Yeah, she's the one who said, wait, get with my parents. What do you have for me? When he gave a word to her parents, she's like standing there like, I'm not leaving, God. <laughs> Hello, excuse me, I'm not a mentor. <laughs> 
So power of the testimony, we said, point number one, the testimony builds faith, and we had subsections under that. Uh, it builds your faith, it builds the faith of others. And now number two, why, may, why is your testimony powerful? Number two, your testimony is powerful because your testimony is a prophecy. Your testimony is powerful because your testimony is a prophecy. <coughs> Please go to Revelation chapter 19, verse 10. Whoever has it can read for us, please. Number two, your testimony is powerful because your testimony is a prophecy. Revelations 19, 1, 9, verse 10. Then I fell asleep at his feet to worship him, or I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, do not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Just that last portion again, Paul. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. For the testimony of Jesus is not the gift of prophecy, gift of the word of prophecy, it's the spirit of prophecy. Another place, Corinthians Paul says, Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. When I testify of what Jesus has done for me, Jesus is testifying of his power to heal, to save, to deliver. When I'm testifying what Jesus did for me, I'm really paraphrasing the word of God and contextualizing it for me, it's in my context, it's what he has done for me. But when I do that, inadvertently, Jesus is speaking to the hearer, and he is testifying. And the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What is released, John 6 says, Jesus says, 
My word is spirit. And it is life. So when you testify, you were, you said you were addicted on drugs, right? Alcohol. Alcohol, so. Mm -hmm. That's okay. What's the difference? Yeah, what's the difference? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and Jesus delivered you. Night and day. Night and day. I'm an alcoholic. I hear she's speaking. Jesus set her free. That words is transferred from my mouth into my spirit. And all of a sudden, my prophecy is coming alive. And she's prophesying about my situation. She's saying, you can be delivered. You can be healed. You can become sober. Word testimony is saying the following. God can do it again. Watch this. Let's go to the woman with the issue of blood. She had an issue. She decided, if I can connect with Jesus, my issue will be solved. Bible says she touched the hand of his garment. Mark chapter 9 or 5. She, like, she just took it from Jesus, right? Jesus is preaching. She comes from behind. Jesus had nothing to do with that miracle. Yet he had everything to do but nothing. She was just like, oh, perfect, I'm out of here. And Jesus said, who touched me like that? Peter says, everybody's touching you. What are you talking about? He said, no, you don't understand. This woman knows how to touch me. So much so that I had no control over that which I had to keep. I just had to release the healing. And how she tries to inconspicuously slip away. And she said, who touched me like that? He starts the account with a certain woman. No identity. He ends the account by saying, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Hey, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to our GGG event recording. To get involved with our growing community or to connect with us, reach out to us on our website, gggministry.com or any of our other social media platforms. It's really been an honor serving you all, and I pray blessings and favor over each of you and your families. Thank you. 